Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blur. That's a um, black nerd. And each week, I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. This week on Minority Corner, we've got Minority Corner fam here. We've got actress and MK social media manager, Sam Jackson. The stats are in, y'all, around the effects of the pandemic on black businesses and the vaccination rates for black people. And surprise, they're not good. I wonder why that is. <laughs> well, we discuss. We also talk Sylvie's Love, a romantic film set in the 50s starring Tessa Thompson and some other hotties. We talked that trash award show Golden Globes and they had some groundbreaking winners this year and it's shocking just how groundbreaking they were in 2021. We also talk Minari, which took home a snatched a trophy of its own. In the main corner, we talk our queer queen, Billie Holiday. Yes, y'all, she is fam in more ways than one. Talking Billie Holiday on the heels of watching the Golden Globes winning film, United States vs. Billie Holiday. We dive into her story, facts out of the movie, highlighting how her story is the intersection of the civil rights movement and the war on drugs. The power of her song, Strange Fruit, her legacy, her tenacity, and the face of adversity and trauma. And speaking of a perfect intersection of Black History Month and Women's History Month in Billie Holiday, have you ever wondered why Black History Month is in February or why Women's History Month is in March or how they got started? Well, Sam has got the answers. Well, let's get into it. Fair warning, our editor Sarah Brown has let us know that apparently Sam and I are thirsting in this episode for some of these hotties we were talking about. We are parched, if you will, folks. So let's go. A brand new Minority Corner is happening right now. Let's learn, laugh, and play. Sam Jackson, living fast and living hard, pumping it grinding up, mm, flipping mm, it up, mm. and reversing it, making it work. <laughs> is it your flipping it, man? We are flipping. Okay, That's you better speak, Missy Elliott Knees. Missy Elliott Knees. That's what you'd be doing. All right. All right, Sam, <laughs> do you want the good news or the bad news? Oh, How do you Lord want to have start? Mercy. How do we start? We're just jumping in. Do you want good news or the bad news? Um, You know what? Let's just let's rip off the Band-Aid. Give me the bad news first. <laughs> Okay, you know what I mean? so the numbers are in. Uh-oh. <laughs> There's all kinds of numbers that are in, and there are two that are kind of like combined. So I kind of want to like hit them both. One, when we go back to like the beginning of like, there's not even, we're not even lubing you up this week. We're not, there's no giggles. None. It's just like, bam, Into here's it. some fucked up information. <laughs> um, Yes. So the racial business divide, I just saw these numbers, I heard these numbers and I cl- clutched not only my pearls, I clutched the pearls of the person next to me. Mm. I clutched um, the other person's pearls. Mm. Like I just was clutching pearls. She, she was and then I was like, "Oh my god, there's a pandemic!" All the things. Oh no, you was touching too many pearls. I was. Girl. Yes, and I'm probably part of the statistics. So, <laughs> my black business closed. So we're talking about the immediate onslaught of the pandemic. The businesses that closed. People are like, "Oh my god, all these businesses were closing." 
But let's look at like whose businesses were closed, who closed, because 17% of white owned companies closed, mm-hmm. 32% of Latinx businesses closed, and then 41% of black businesses closed. Wow. And then when you look at that, 95% of black owned businesses weren't even able to qualify for PPE. Like when there was all that stuff that was happening, there was a lot of different qualifications that certain businesses need to have. If you knew a banker, you were dope and you were going to be able to like get in, like all these different things. Uh, and only 1% of black business owners even see their loans approved for even starting their businesses. So even when you go even further back, the system is just all kinds of fucked up. So it's like, it's a huge staggering amount of black owned businesses that are already off to um, a difficult start to even survive. Like you had to survive, you know, Tulsa riots or mm. any sort of hoop or anything to get started. And then our businesses got hurt the hardest at the start of the pandemic. 95% not able to qualify for PPE is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Like what were the qualifications? Like, there's all kinds of there's like different things like also too like you had to have a certain amount of people who are working for you but some black owned businesses have it's sure. just like it's just me or it's just like me and one other person so the, or it's like the websites are really confusing or having access to these websites or to the banks sure. like they're just, just all these different things that our communities tend to continuously be that much more disadvantaged and we're the first ones on the chopping block to to go hmm. And so when you're talking about Black Lives Matter, like this is also a part of Black Lives Matter. Our existence should matter. Our businesses should matter as well. So then, so that was like the beginning of the pandemic. And then fast forwarding now, like with businesses, and now we're looking at like the vaccine rollout. We're getting vaccinated at just such a low amount. And there's already the stigma that we're having to jump through because we've been fucked over through so many paths, like Mm -hmm. the Tuskegee experiments and just other vaccine rollouts and things like that. Like there's already a skepticism, right? But we're working through that. But then when we're even trying to show up and get it, we can't. And one of the most dramatic cases, 1.2% of white Pennsylvanians had been vaccinated as of January 14th compared to 0.3% of black Pennsylvanians. And so there's statistics like this all over the country i will link an article of just like what a vast there's a huge discrepancy in us being vaccinated and others and i've even seen cases had a front row seat to people who are white work in the tech industry maybe are on like a three-month paid sabbatical and have jumped the line and like there was a website specifically for oakland residents they a friend of them had we don't live in oakland i uh, a friend of us had sent it to us i'm like you know what i'm i don't i work i work from home i don't i don't have to get it right now let me create mm-hmm. space for other folks this person was like oh the website keeps crashing then maybe you should stay off of it and then was like the universe telling you right right and then was like sweet i got a spot what like what and then i was like um i don't think that was for you i think that i was like well i'm just trying to create space for those who like really need it and really like Mm -hmm. you know black and brown folks are getting vaccinated at such a low amount anyways and then they were like oh they're just gonna throw them away well, it's still like create space, like what, or help other people get access to it. Like maybe go find, run there down the is. street and see how you can use your, because here's the other thing, 30% of black folks don't even have access to high speed internet. And so mm. all of these signups are done on the internet. So, mm. or if you don't speak, 
you know, some people, English is not their first language. And so navigating these websites, which are run by the government and not the best because we don't fund our government because Republicans are like, we don't need that. Why doesn't anything work? I'm going to, I'm going to Cancun. I do want to celebrate now, now that we've got that out of our system. Yes. Ooh, gone. Released. First of all, I saw the cutest movie. I just, I never, I, it's not often I get to just see a cute movie about black people being cute in the 1950s because it just doesn't, doesn't exist really. Because that was a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's starring Tessa Thompson and produced by Tessa Thompson. I'm like, go off. Go off, Tessa Thompson, who I've who is a delight. I met her at the Black Panther red carpet premiere. She's Did you? Delightful woman. She just I believe it. She's a delight. She's just a delight. Turning her Marvel money into magic, she executive produced this movie called Sylvie's Love, set in the 1950s. It's a uh, guy meets girl, but girl was kind of with somebody else at first, and mm-hmm. they had a summer, but then, you know, things start happening. But it's also like he's a jazz musician, and also what's so dope is, this isn't spoilers, but she is like, what I also love is like, she wants to work in the movie, like in the TV industry. She's like, I'm going to be a producer. And they're like, oh, you couldn't possibly. And she just does it. And it's just like, ah. the movie isn't met. Like, no one gets hosed in the movie. No, I don't think I heard the N word once in this movie. It's oh very gosh. sort of idealistic PG-13. But at the same time, like, it made me think about like, my grandparents or like other I know that there are black people who are falling in love and enjoying their lives. There was yes. a, there is a little moment it's not always about a struggle. Yes. And there was there's a little moment that does happen and they don't like it's not like they just ignore that they're black. Like all of the same rules still apply and exist, right? But it's yeah. not about white people. It's not the movie is like not about white people. It's just really black people in their world doing their things in the nineteen fifties, trying to fall in love and find love and then jazz music and a little bit of like the fall of jazz music how like you know motown was coming in and jazz was just on the way out um mm-hmm. and oh carrie washington's boo uh and mandy he used to be he's a football player he is in it like he is acting he's the lead in it and mandy yeah. as oh, yeah. oh lord oh yes. you want to know who? sorry i didn't mean oh, to just objectify this please man. do and keep those objectifying googly goggly eyes awooga eyes out because you know who else is also in it Ray J. Jean from uh, Bridgerton. Oh, he's also beautiful. That hunk of a man. I could just drool all over him. And I love it because I didn't really get into Bridgerton. So I love that he's popping up. I'm not into it either. I just love that he's popping up in other things so I can just drool all over him and just literally like, a wooga. And he does an American accent better than I can. Like, just a talented man. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Is that how I do it? Anyways, highly recommend that movie. And then... This movie just won a bunch of awards or an award, but it's the Golden Globes. You actually um, mentioned this last last podcast. We were talking about this because, and I mentioned it, but I also didn't go in deep about it because I hadn't actually seen it. But there was a lot of kerfuffle because Minari um, was put into the foreign film category. But the movie, I knew that it started started in uh, like Stephen Stephen Yoon. Uh, Stephen Ewan, who is Asian-American. Um, but the movie is about a Korean-American family in the 1950s. They moved from California to the Ozarks to start a farm. What a journey. What an experience. It's sort of like, and it's just, a, you know, the 1950s is all about the American dream, and it's just their journey yeah. in it. And then their the grandmother comes to, to stay with them. It's a really dope, beautiful story. 
I guess I can kind of see at a glance why they put it in that category. The movie is mostly in subtitles because they're a Korean American family, but they're from like their kids will be first generation because they're born here, right? So, so because they're speaking Korean the whole time. I would say about 75% of the time. Yeah. But I do, I recommend it. And what it was nice was it was nice to see a different, like uh, uh, bearing witness to somebody else's journey and struggle. Like I could have a little bit of distance to it. Right. Like I could watch like this POC family go through their non-white journey and, and have a little bit of distance and not feel, you know, like still see it, but not have to feel like, so connected to it right like and, and yeah. does that make sense because sometimes it's exhausting i want to bear witness to stories but sometimes it's so exhausting to constantly have to to constantly be seeing these atrocities happening to my own people i will take it in but you know it was just nice similar to like when i watched the white tiger and you see that movie um which is about the caste system in india and you see the parallels to the caste system that we have here in the United States. But there is it so much more blatant. But still, it was nice. And Ava DuVernay uh, produced that one. And still in that movie, it was nice to be able to get the, 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 the separation in some way, to bear witness to it, but not have to feel so personally connected to it. Does that, does that make me sound like I'm lazy? Yeah. <laughs> I just try to save myself, no. y'all. It's a lot. I'm not like, okay, let me just clock that for a minute. How in the world is it lazy to need a break from watching your people suffer all it's the time. It's been a month. That is not lazy. It's been a month. Remember I just watched Amistad so last let week? Just, <laughs> let me just give you that real quick. That is not laziness. Thank you. Okay, love? Yeah. Um, also, yes, it was technically the winner of the foreign language film. Okay. Which does then make sense. And I, here's my other thing of why I think they did slip it into that category is because because it won best film in that, that category. And it, I think it, mm -hmm. I don't know that it would have won best film against all those other movies. I think Nomadland ended up winning or whatnot. And so I think in some ways, maybe it was them trying to like, make sure that it did win an, an award. I don't know. The Hollywood foreign press is still garbage and needs work. And I'm glad that this movie won. Chloe Zhao became the fur, just the second woman after Barbara Streisand in 1984 and first Asian woman to win best director. How wild wow. is that? These Oh, these numbers are, we're going to celebrate and then we're going to be like, this is a travesty. So previously, Ang Lee was the only Asian Helmer to earn the accolade in 2001 and 2006. Then Chadwick Boseman, rest in power, we love you. Mm -hmm. His wife gave a beautiful speech. when uh, So he, he won and she accepted it for him. And he's only the fourth black actor winner in this category following... Um, Black Panther co-star Forrest Whitaker in The Last King of Scotland, Denzel Washington in The Hurricane, it's Sidney Poitier and Lilies in the Field. Only the fourth. Wow. It's 2021. Then, and so then Lee Isaac wow. Chung, he won. So another, but it's also in foreign language category. So I'm not sure how that adds into like the numbers of things. And then we're going to talk about this later. United States for Spilly Holiday first uh, won. Andrew Day, snap, snap, snaps. Uh, first time leading lady. And it's the first time that uh, she's becoming the only only second non-white woman to win in this category <laughs> since Whoopi Goldberg 35 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you just had to giggle at it. That 
my age. That's my age. So I was born. Whoopi Goldberg won. There was no more winners until now. Like, that is wild what? in that category. I, don't, I mean, they might because it's for leading ladies. Uh, as, like, this is pissing me off as like a black woman. Yes. And, and so as an this actor, whole time. And as a human all at the same time. Like, I am. Yes. All of the Yes. Friends. Yes. And this whole time we we <laughs> you were pro you were having a moment processing it. I know it's terrible because like we keep thinking like oh we're doing like and we've been spending all this time being like ooh Oscars you're so white you're so white. Meanwhile, Hollywood Foreign Press, which mind you, they had some years to get their shit together. Did they not think that someone would come looking through the archives to see who was in the voting registry? Oh look, all these ninety five people, they all white like. You had time to fix this. You had to have known that we were going to come looking for you and you got got. Enough of that mess. We're going to move on to a, we're going to do some celebration in a different way. I, a celebration of a legacy. I watched the United States versus Billie Holiday and just, wow. Fallon, that story is so powerful and just, it really is such a genesis of where we are today. And so we're going to pay tribute to the legend herself, Miss Billie Holiday, legend. Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say? It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They've reviewed TNG, DS9, and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. Well, if she enjoys that, and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Why, I ought to... Well, gotta go. Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today. Uh, for those of you who are just listening, I have a poster of Billie Holiday in my bedroom, and you are seeing that right now, all in my space. Mm, and this is a shout out to why y'all need to watch like the YouTube videos that come out because then you can see, oh, I need to see that picture of Sam's Billie Holiday. Can I see it? And you see her Let cute ass little room and like Great. her recording oh, studio. She's baddie. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, I knew yes, it was Billie right. Holiday when you uh, sashayed your computer over and that was a sachet. I didn't know yeah, computers yes, could sachet, but you're sashayed over towards her. And I, could t- knew, yeah. I knew it was her because of the gardenia and uh. her hair. Signature luck. Everything. Billie Holiday, I know you're about to get into her. This is a shared space. A little share moment. (laughs) Um, Her voice was Mm. the voice that allowed me to love my singing voice Mm. or to start to accept it. Mm. I never did. I never liked it. I never thought I could sing. And then listening to Billie Holiday growing up and her singing Come Rain or Come Shine just like sparked my soul. Mm. And now that's like my go-to song whenever anything, you know. But, uh, yeah, Billie Holiday is a 
huge part of my life and my career as a vocalist speak on it well you could probably chime in on some of this then too like i probably won't you know you'll be like oh and don't you forget that she on december 4th get into it you okay you you had told me to watch the movie and i was like you talk about this all the time but i was like i don't know if i'm ready (laughs) for that emotional like journey because like i just know i'm gonna be angry and sad and, i didn't you know. realize what a stan of hers like i could it, i now understand like you would need you know space for it you know mm-hmm. like i i totally mm-hmm. get it it would be like me like if something i don't even want to speak to it no mm-hmm. not even going to Goodbye. if something anyway. happened to somebody that i really cared and loved about like an idol miss nasty if something were to happen and someone was like, "Oh, watch this biopic." I was like, "I can't, Ugh. I can't do it's it. I couldn't." Like her so. life is like, so, like she's so beautiful, and it's also tragic, and like all the things. Um, Ooh, y'all. So United States vs. Billie Holiday, amazing movie. Lee Daniels directed it. Um, sexy ass man from Moonlight, who was in the third act of Moonlight, Travante Rhodes, who was like, yes, yes, "Oh, yes, I've yes, all yes. grown up and I, ooh, me, I've work, my, I'm cook I now, work, and I work, I work out. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do." Don't you I tell want me. something to eat. Oh, I give do. me a taste. You come Let on me have a taste. Uh, <laughs> Ew, girl. This is just, you know what? It's with a long pandemic, girl. It's with a long <laughs> pandemic. As I, I already told Ben Randall he was on this podcast. Give I don't know honey. what the time frame is for gay people to be able to give blood, but whatever it is, I, I can do it. So <laughs> <laughs> give me this, Travante. Give me this. And who is the other one from Bridgerton? Give me Mr. Bridgerton. Oh, <laughs> my God. Oh All my of them gosh, can the get it. This is too much is the sound. All I you know what I'm I'm just imagining emojis like the drool emoji. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Well, there's also like a nom nom kind of. Oh yeah, you know, know slapping on some knobs. There it is, slapping on some knobs. Light them up. James Martin, everyone. James Martin. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Billy Holiday. Let's give some. (laughs) This is Minority Core. This is how we do it. So, um, oh, Susan Laurie Parks wrote the script. I mean, woof. Yes. And if y'all don't know Susan Laurie Parks, go Google. Let me Google that for you. Y'all got to do some work around here. So, <laughs> but she did do Venus and Top Dog, Underdog. Like, she just is a, a prolific writer. And the, the movie maybe fo- mainly focuses on the later period of Billie Holiday's life. What I really liked about this, because sometimes biopics, sometimes it's almost sometimes like I hate the first, like, spider-man or the first anytime they're like the origin stories i'm not a big fan of the origin stories i'm like get me into the good stuff and this yeah. movie does that it actually it really is focusing on her later later part of her life um really around strange fruit which we're gonna get to in a moment um mm-hmm. and around when the fbi and the government was relentlessly just persecuting her her towards the end of her life Gosh. yes and then when you watch this film you realize that, I mean, Billie Holiday is such a catalyst for the civil rights movement. Like, there was, a lot of this is happening in 1939. There is no, there's no protest around this time. Mm-hmm. There's no organized movement. She is actually the thing that really ignites this. And she stood out there all on her lonesome for the work that she was doing. She's also mm-hmm. the catalyst too for the war on drugs, which we're gonna dive into. And when we think about the war yeah. on drugs, we must think of it as a war on black and brown and poor people to yes. only uphold the caste system of America. That's its purpose. 
that was its purpose. You were sold a bill of goods. So when you see anything that's relating to this war on drugs, and the, please know that you are witnessing the caste system at work in front of your eyes. Hmm. I mean, I can go hmm. home right now, right? I'm just laying down. D- goodbye. It was, that <laughs> is Minority Corner. Like, good, oh, it was also a war on jazz music, which I also, too, just want to know, like, which I guess is a war on black people because I people were all afraid of jazz music. Like, people yes. were, like, up in arms. They were like, jazz music's the devil. And, like, white people would, like, flock to Harlem because they're like, ooh, we got to get some of this jazz. Mm-hmm. But, of course, when, like, any black person was, like, again, it's Black Lives Matter type stuff. Like, when I'm sure, like, if a black person outside of the clubs walked by them, they would clutch their purse or would not be I afraid mean, to drop the I mean, it was the, N-word. you know, Ella Fitzgerald not being able to stay in the hotel that she performed at. It was Marilyn Monroe being an ally and saying, uh-uh, you're going to, I will come every night that you let her perform and she stays here. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was the, I just, you want, you want to consume us, but we don't get any of your respect or any of your love or mm. any of your patience, right? But yep. you just want to consume. You want to consume. Consume and then Oof. poop out what you don't. You're just like done. Consume just, and poop. Ugh. So, Billy Holiday. Born Eleanor Fagan, although some say Harris. There's a debate about it. I don't know. Someone couldn't see. Yeah. April 7th, 1915 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Although she would grow up in Baltimore, Maryland. Her dad was Clarence Holiday, who was a successful jazz musician. So she had a she had a rough life. So pin on that. All the stuff that we're about to talk about. Rough life. Right. Then you just think about all the stuff that she ended up doing. So she she ended up growing up in a brothel. Her mother was a prostitute. And at 10, she was raped by a 40-year-old man. And then she was sent to a reform school. And because they pretty much had blamed it on her. They were like, oh, it's your fault that this happened. Sent her off to this reform school for African-American girls, which I could just only imagine the other young girls who were there. Like, it's, again, just baby prison, right? Mm-hmm. Um the crime was she is black and this happened um yep. again pre- pre-existing condition she was born black there you go see there the doctor is. was right it's right. um Oof. and yes and so the nuns blamed her they did some fucked up shit so they would lock her in a room with dead bodies as punishment and i wow. forget what the reasoning was i was listening to um it was npr that i that i was listening That's to so- where did you get these dead bodies <laughs> I don't know why the nunnery had dead bodies because I think um, people would people would die and they were like, oh, let's get them for the, But I think before they do the funeral, they were at the church or this reform school. I didn't get the full details on that. But yes, that is, it's get, fucked up. Sus. Yeah. Sus. Well, Sorry, go ahead. Okay. no, I mean, again, you know, these nuns, some of them, I mean, not all nuns, but, you know, this is fucked not, up. Not. <laughs> Not all blank. You know what? <laughs> I know. Okay, go, you know some. Off, I don't off, want Sister off. Mary Joseph listening to this and writing me some email. I don't need Sister to hear Mary it. Mystery would agree though. Is what she I'm would. Mrs. Mary Clarence. She's mm. uh at the the one in Vegas. Oh, happy mm-hmm. day. Ooh, okay, you got me. We're only on. We're only on. <laughs> okay, go off. Paragraph one. Okay, so trauma right all that already trauma so she was like fuck this nuns i'm not about this and she probably said this because she did like to curse like she loved her swear words so she was like Mm -hmm. fuck y'all i'm out of this so she went back to her mom her mom was working in a brothel that's what she knew and she was like i'm well so 
she started working there as well. She had other girls working under her. And it's tragic because, I mean, really, it's just that's just it's just tragic. Right. That that whole entire scenario. It's fucked up. Um, But she is so she like she's such a strong person to persevere through this because she'd also like be listening to jazz music and she would sing along she loved bessie smith she loved louis armstrong and she loved just jazz music and she wanted to sing the way that they played which was like unheard of like who she saw her voice as like a an instrument instrument yeah Yeah. and so she that's how she saw her voice she was not trained she just had this gift and would just follow along and that's what her voice would do and I think you would attest to this too, really changed the way we hear music and the way people sang. Like she changed everything. She just pioneered and changed it up. So she ended up in New York and around 1930s, she was singing in these nightclubs and she renamed herself Billy after the film star Billy Dove, who was her favorite. She saw every movie by Billy Dove. She loved Billy Dove, was obsessed with Billy Dove. And at 18, she was discovered by producer John Hammond while she was performing in a Harlem jazz club. And he was instrumental in getting her work. And he linked her up with Betty Goodman, who I will not refer to as the king of swing because he mm. sold that swing music, which is his jazz music from black people and mm. would get all the credit for it. So, mm. okay, cool. She sang with Betty Goodman, that guy who did some swing. <laughs> She also appeared with Duke Ellington in the film Symphony in Black. So, I mean, she's just bebopping around with all these people, like, hooking it up. Love They're it. like, you're talented. We love you. This is great. So, she got nicknamed. She's known to a lot of people as Lady Day and mm-hmm. how she got her nickname. So, she became friends with the saxophonist named Lester Young. He was part of Count Bassey's band. And they started singing all together. She would sing with them and they would dub themselves the Royals. And so he was like, "Ooh, you lady day. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna call you prayers, which I think is, (laughs) which I think is interesting because a president is not part of a Royal family, but I don't care. I don't care. And she's called him Prez because she thought he was the greatest. And so Prez is also featured in the movie played by the guy who played a young version of Chris Rock in everybody hates Chris. Yep. Mm hmm. I know exactly yep, yep. that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's up in there blowing his horn. A be ba ba Why is that my horn? Is that a horn? Which also like makes my heart very happy because like I don't know if you're about to talk about this, but Andre Day is the yes. Acting. I thought that was so interesting that Andre Day, it. Lady Day, and Andre Day did not want to play this part. <gasps> she did not want to. She was. I mean, first of all, she was. I mean, just snaps to her all along. Like when you see this performance, she really conjured up. Like you, I feel like I am, am am watching Lady Day. Like she really conjured up this woman and and, and really did the work on it. And she wasn't uh, highly recommend. There's an interview that Oprah did with um, Lee Daniels, her um, Travante and Susan Lloyd Parks. It's on Hulu. The film's on Hulu, and they also did a sit-down interview with it. Highly recommend it. She was like, I didn't want to do it, but, you know, she prayed on it, and it just, it all happened, and she just, she's so phenomenal. Powerhouse. Um, her stage name, sorry, I just looked this up, but her stage name was inspired by Lady Day. Get full fucking My circle. My whole heart. She, that just, ugh, that makes me so happy. 
it, she kills it. The song, like the performances, the singing, and she really went in deep to this role. She's like, I don't smoke cigarettes, but she started smoking oh, cigarettes. Yeah. She's like, I don't drink, but I started drinking. Yeah. She's like, I don't do drugs. She did not start doing drugs, but she did surround herself with the people who did um, a lot of cocaine and maybe a little bit of heroin. Yes, and just sort of <laughs> going through that hunter process, and like you, you see that performance. We're gonna get to the hair on mm-hmm. in a second, mm-hmm. but you know. So she was touring with Count ba- with Count Bassie in 1937. So she's just working it out, doing her thing, and then she was up with Artie Shaw and his orchestra. You know, he's a big deal, whatever. And she broke new ground by touring with them, and she became one of the first female um, African-American vocalists to work with a white orchestra, which is like, yay! But also to be the first, I mean, you or you can look at Twitter and see what happens when a black woman's the first for anything. Mm. There was a black woman who is given this show that's a recount Star Wars stuff. Twitter is... White Twitter can't have it. It's just too much. Like, you know, so... They white folks weren't having it, and they it made it really difficult for her when she was touring with them. Sometimes they couldn't even find restaurants that would serve her, so she would sometimes have to get a burger to go just in case because she didn't know the next time she would have to she'd be uh-huh. able to eat. Uh-huh. So sleeping arrangements were also difficult sometimes because they couldn't sometimes find hotels to be willing to sleep this human fucking being that people would be willing to come and like see perform. What is right. uh, like a fucking seal? You might have just seen her yesterday and wanted her mm-hmm. autograph, but no, she can't mm-hmm. sleep in my hotel. Mm-hmm. No, she can't eat in my diner. Yes, very similar to a lot of stuff that was happening with Dorothy Dandridge. Um, you know, even just a decade or so mm-hmm. later. And so one time they couldn't find accommodations, and like sometimes she would sleep on the bus. And one time the band stood up with her. They're like, "No, this is bullshit." Except for Artie Shaw, he was like, I'm going to sleep in this hotel. And she was like, I'm out. This is bullshit. Fuck you. Wow. I'm Billie Holiday. And she left. She was like, I'm done. So we're going to talk about strange fruit Mm. here. Okay. Um, So strange fruit. This is so she went she went solo. Right. She was like, I'm out. She was, you know, she was Beyonce before there was a Beyonce, mm. right? This is, you know, just to give it in context for the kids. Love like, it. I don't get it. Beyonce. Oh, okay. Now I get it. Okay. <laughs> got you. Yes. So she performed at the New York Cafe Society and she developed some of her trademark style, the gardenia in her hair, her head tilted back and just her style really started to finesse here because, you know, she's able to be solo, do her own thing. Like, fuck all these folks who won't let me do my thing. There's going to be a lot of swearing right now because I am channel her. Channel day. Billy. Where's my cigarettes? Hey, I was going to say, what's your cocktail, girl? Go ahead. <laughs> For you, lady day. And then here at the New York Cafe Society, she debuted her most famous song, God Bless the Child. Mm. Everybody loves God mm. Bless the Child. My mom loves God Bless the Child. You, every, really and like then them. she... And she can't. And the, like she would, she would, she wrote her own songs. And the song came to her as a kid after a fight with her mother about money. And so she was doing something that was just so unheard of. She was writing lyrics that just mattered, that came from her her experience, her pain, her trauma, and was bearing it out there for people to witness. And I think why people loved her so much is they could feel that there's an authenticity and people resonate with the vibrations that are coming out of her body, her soul, they're connecting with it and they're bearing witness through it. And not only is she healing, she's healing others Mm. through it. Like we're all, cause everyone has trauma and she's literally like putting out vibrational healing Mm. waves with her Mm. voice. 
Yes. And so Strange Fruit, it was written by Abel Mirpool, who was, I believe he was Jewish, registered as uh, part of the Communist Party. And so he already had some like red flags, you know, about him. Not from me. I don't care. But, you know, the other people. The murder ones. <laughs> I, you know, the other people. McCarthy. And he was like, I want you to sing this song. And she was like, what am I supposed to do with this? I can't. Mm. What is this song? I don't know about this. And she was like, all right, uh, Prez, play something. And then she just was like, well, this is what I think I could do with it. And she was like, and she did it. And it was just like, Gosh. it was her song from then on. It was her song. And then she went to her record label. She was like, I need to record this song. They were like, oh, no, Billy, you can't. You, you can't, can't talk do that about here. lynching. Just, again, 1939. People are not talking about this. Like, but they're I doing can't it. Even, the, oh, but we can't talk about right. it. Right. In a pioneer. And also, mind you, the movie starts off with this. 1939, She, you know, Strange Fruit, um, she, she records it. And in 1937, there was a, uh, a bill, an anti-lynching bill that breached the Senate and did not get passed. So people are, and still to this day, we do not have a federal anti-lynching yep. law. Yep. Correct. 2021. That's what year it is. Just in case you forgot. In case you're listening in the future. And so she, <laughs> yeah. And we still ain't got it Yo. then. You'd be like, oh, wow. They am. Um, and so Billie Holiday was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to go do my thing, right? And so she recorded it with Commodore Label instead. And she would perform it at these jazz clubs. And because, you know, white folks love going to these jazz clubs. They're like, mm, we're going to go somewhere black today. Mm. <laughs> it's so naughty. We're going to get some Athletic chicken afterwards. Exotic. <sighs> we're not a zoo. Um, <laughs> and Hello. <laughs> We're not, we're not an experience. Damn. Okay. And so, but sometimes like you, of course, these white people are like, I just came here to dance and I didn't come here to hear, be reminded of this. And so sometimes some white people, they'd walk mm -hmm. out. Um, but she was like, I'm going to sing the song anyways, because this mm -hmm. matters. Radio stations sometimes want to play it. But on the flip side, because it was so, it, it resonated with a lot of people. So some people didn't like it, but other people was very polarizing. But the people who did like it, fucking loved it like even the white people who loved it and because they wouldn't play it on radio stations it made it this thing like you've got to hear this song because mm -hmm. it was just talking southern trees bear a strange fruit blood on the leaves and blood at the root black bodies swinging and the southern breeze strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees like and the way she sings this the way she sings it i cry every time i hear that song every time and, you know, Andre Day said that she it took filming this movie for her to understand it on a different level, because I, you know, know the song is it's a you know about lynching. Um, but when you hear it, she was like, she's like, every time I sing the song now, she's like, I don't want anybody clapping. There should be no clapping. I don't even want people to finish listening to the song. It should be I got to go do something. It's not. This isn't a beautiful song. It's a it's a painful song, you know, with the lyrics, the bulging eyes and the twisted mouth. Like it's it's just yeah. it's the lyrics are just so powerful in the way that she sings it. It's just um, and she felt I mean, she resonated with the song. Obviously, she kept singing it. People were like, oh, don't sing it. And she was like, I'm gonna sing it. But then she would go to places and they'd be like, sing strange fruit. Like they would be yelling out in the back. Mm. And she mm. and, and 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 even though she was getting um, they, they, people loved the song. And one time because she essentially had gotten from Harry Anslinger, who we're going to get to in a moment, who ran the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. And they had written her pretty much a letter. They're like, don't sing this song. 
I ain't gonna tell Billy Holiday <laughs> to not sing a song. Like Billy Holiday is like And you deal with narcotics, leave me alone. Go away. And so yeah, you're right. <laughs> Good flag. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. The Bureau of Narcotics, sir, leave me and my song alone. Yes, leave me and my song alone. And they were like, sing Strange Fruit in the back. And she was like, well, I'm going to sing this song. And she had to be forced off the stage after singing because the police were like going to try to like, you know, arrest everybody. Um, this did decrease in some of her nationwide. Again, her, it was very polarizing. But I think the people who it, it's sort of like <laughs> this is a bad example it's like when taylor swift finally opened her mouth and said something like some people i made me be like oh okay all right i actually i had never thought about her before and now i give her the benefit of the doubt i know i just went to the whitest example i could but <laughs> uh yeah you are correct that was a bad example uh pero here we are <laughs> hey do you want to leave this corner or what? Come on, you know, come up with things on the fly. I'm not, hey, I'm not judging. I'm just you said it, and I'm I'm agreeing with your assessment. Because here's the thing: I'm rooting for everybody black. There was no example for me as a black person because I'm already rooting for everybody black, which is scientifically proven. We I meant to bring this mm -hmm. earlier, but it was it's a scientifically. Did I did I tell you about how it was scientifically proven? Um, no, it's through a thing called linked lineage, linked, linked fate. And it was developed by political scientist, Michael Dawson. And it's when black people feel that their destinies are tied to the destinies of other black people. So when one black person is racially discriminated against, it sends a symbolic message to all black people that they too are vulnerable to this same type of discrimination based on having a shared skin color. And so there was research, a Pew research yeah. in 2019 that corroborated this. Um, it also means that when one black person succeeds, we all feel that same success. It also means that like if Kanye West is like acting a fool, we're like, oh my God. like when one person falls, like we all feel that because we all That's feel really the same I, I, connection. I am very interested so, in that. And also like, I wonder if yeah. it has anything to do with when one person falls, we realize what that looks like for the community because the community has been seen from outside eyes and judged from outside eyes consistently. Right. But then, oh, we're doing well. Somebody went to Harvard. Somebody did X, Y, Z. Yes. Like because we're amazing. Like, see, we can do that, too. But then like, oh, somebody, you know, doesn't read the instructions on an adhesive. What does that look like? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're just I mean, I'm just speaking you bring it about up, things Brown. that people uh, do or do not do. As an example. You know, go off. She's, I'm sure she's a lovely human being, and I'm sure she yes. doesn't rush all the things. Period. It's what it is. I'm like, you know. Back to Miss Billie Holiday, though. To our lady. So she, she had a, she lived a lot of life. She loved a lot, and she loved the ladies, too. Yes, that's right. She was bisexual. <gasps> What? I didn't know that about this queen. Girl, oh, I thought I, I was about to tell you nothing you didn't already done known. Okay, get ready to love I her love even more. That. This is why she is our queen. That is one she literally. But uh, my Billie Holiday education came okay, from that like, was they weren't keeping. Yes, and, and this was in I fact this isn't even mentioned on all the different websites. This is in the movie because of course Lee Daniels, you know, he he fam. So he's like, let's put this in there. He also she has like a gay best friend in the movie too, and I'm like, yes, we have always existed. You are right. Yes, I love that part. So yeah, so she guys in the band. I mean, this is 1930s. Like they would call her like Mr. Billy Holiday because she would just roll with like she drank and and smoked as much as they did. Like she just she was. 
fucking rocking and rolling because she's like, I'm Billie Holiday. She dated uh, Louise Crane, who was a prominent American philanthropist and also American actress Tallulah Bankhead. And uh, Tallulah is in the film played by what's her name from Russian Doll? Natasha Leone plays uh, Tallulah Bankhead. She also had a well-documented affair in the early 40s with Orson Welles. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So she had many different relationships. Uh, Some of them were, many of her relationships, at least with men, were very destructive, abusive. She had a lot of dogs. She loved her dogs. Um, In 1941, she married James Monroe, and through him, she would pick up the habit of heroin. And when they divorced, she unfortunately kept that habit of heroin. Mm. That shit is addictive. I will say this. I watching the movie. I have never seen. I I I don't think I've seen heroin in a lot of movies, mm. and it just does not look like a lot of fun. It does not look fun. Let me go on the record. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look fun. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Like it's one thing you watch a movie, people doing like cocaine or they're doing Molly. You're like, oh, it looks kind of fun. No. But heroin does not look like a good time. There was one movie in like the '90s that heroin was. Big Clockwork in, Orange. It, no, well, I mean yes, but no. It was with uh, Marlon Wayans was in it. Oh, Requiem for Requiem a Dream. For a dream. Oh, oh, I oh God. Oh, oh, my arm. It still Ow. gives me like chills. My, my arm still hurts when yeah. it just saying the name Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. My arm yeah. hurts. And is it there? Is it yeah. there? Yeah. Oh, ass to ass. It is oh. just a movie. When you at, at uh, you see Santa Cruz. Like, I, I, like for real. <laughs> it, you see Santa Cruz if you got like caught like underage drinking or like smoking like pot or something they'd make you watch Requiem for a dream and like write a paper on it <laughs> wow. wow yeah that was, uh, that was the work you had to do it's I pretty mean, good terrifying <laughs> enough that'd scare me sweet. yeah Woof, it's a lot so so Sorry. harry okay. harry Anslinger and, and the federal bureau of narcotics so this is he is the godfather of the war on drugs so again this woman is the cornerstone of not only the civil rights movement but the war on drugs which was a tool to again uh go after black people and he he's such a dumbass so part of his career highlights was overseeing towards the end of prohibition like he did not like people having fun he was like <laughs> oh we're gonna make sure this prohibition thing happens and people were like fuck that we're voting it over get out of here so he was bitter he had a chip on his shoulder he's like i need another thing to win because i lost the war on prohibition so i got something else he was also uh, on top of being a loser, he was also a racist. And so much, in fact, that his no. own senator in Pennsylvania said that he should not be um, holding the position that he does because of his use, his frequent use of the N-word in person, in documents, and his overall hatred of black people. Wow. And this is like a white senator in like the 1940s saying this. That's amazing. So, uh, you know. Good on that probably... person for being a real human. Yeah. So two things that Harry Anzingler hated drugs and black people and so here you see this convergence of billy holiday who embodies both of those things and so for him billy holiday was just like this perfect amalgamation for him you know and you know she's also successful he's just foaming at the mouth 
He just hates everything about her, you know. And in, you know, 1939, again, she's singing Strange Fruit. There's no civil rights movement. It's just her. There's no protest songs. It's just her. And she got a letter I had mentioned from the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. They were like, don't you sing this song. And she was like, I'm Billie Holiday. Go do what Billie Holiday going to do. Um, I'm going to sing this song. And she just kept singing it. And that made him even more mad, right? Um, and he was just so threatened by it. And it just, and, and it's interesting because because she refused to, this song was bringing up a lot of emotions and thoughts for people, is reminding them of like the, the actual caste system that we have here and this horrible lynching practice that was happening here in the United States. And, and, and it's interesting because right. if she just had stopped singing the song, they would have left her alone. But she, and it's just so interesting that she just was so like, you know, must having to sing the song mm. with no other actual movement even occurring. She was the move, the movement. You know, they would say to her, why can't you just behave? Just behave. You know, which I think is just so yeah. interesting to say that to <laughs> a black woman. Just why can't you just behave? And if you think about it, she's got this addiction. And I highly recommend uh, a Johan Hari, yeah. who his book, The First and Last Days of the War on Drugs, um, which chronicalizes uh, a lot of the, the, the stuff in the movie comes from this yeah. book of his. And so he was saying, you know, if you think about it, she had this heroin addiction because she had been chronically raped as a child. And she had, you know, all this grief and pain. And she had lost her mother and never really got over that. And these terrible rela relationships. And she was also resisting white supremacy. And then when she insisted on continuing on her fight as an American citizen to sing Strange Fruit, like, Inzinger was like, I'm going to destroy you. Like, it just was too much for this white man, for this black woman to to do this. Um, and so this was a lot of what the movie is is about, is is in this 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 era. Um, and it's interesting because you see so much shenanigans from the FBI. I've been watching so many movies, which is why I was like, let me take a break and watch Minari or The White Tiger. Just like another people's journey and struggle. Because Fred Hampton, Judas and the Black Messiah, there was an FBI, like, informant. Like, in like Ansinger had black FBI informants try to become friends with her to try to, you know, plant drugs on her to try to like, you know, do all this stuff. You had that with Fred Hampton, which you see in the Judas and the black Messiah. Uh, if you watch Spike Lee's Malcolm X movie, FBI doing all kinds of shenanigans there, any of the Dr. King movies, it's a miracle that black people are even alive today with J Edgar Hoover and the FBI, what they were up to. It's a fucking miracle. And again, they were just trying to keep intact this caste system. She did end up in uh, prison through just some bullshit that the FBI had, you know, they had the informant. She ended up, you know, getting arrested when she got released. Her new manager got her to perform at Carnegie Hall. She was like mm. super nervous, but she's out of prison and her biggest fear is people are going to forget her. Isn't that wild? Mm. And we're still talking about you today, Miss Holiday. And she performs at Carnegie Hall, but Anslinger, being the asshole that he is, made sure that her cabaret license was revoked so she couldn't perform at cabarets or clubs or anything like that. She ended up with New York uh, with with John Levy, who became her boyfriend and manager. She was loving a lot of different people. He was an asshole as well, which was not surprise you. But he helped her get back into the scene because he had a nightclub and she could perform there. Um, she went off to Europe with I think it was a different husband. <laughs> She had been then married to somebody else. Yes, this guy McKay. Um, they would go off. They went that. off to Europe in about in the 19, 1954. And you know who was loving black people at that time? Europe. Hmm. France. Love so that. she was up in France singing her thing. She wrote her autobiography, Lady Sings the Blues, which... Yes. 
was the movie? Have you seen the movie Lady Sings the Blues starring Diana no. Ross and Billy <laughs> Billy D? I haven't. Is it a whole directed? Mess? And I think it's produced and directed by Barry Gordy. I think I just saw a trailer. I recommend. Watch the trailer after you watch the movie after Billie Holiday, uh, United States versus Billie Holiday, and you're going to okay. be like, are we in an alternate universe? Because their story oh, of Billie yeah. Holiday was very, like, celebrate. It was just, like, all the good Camp stuff. Camp and magic. Camp yeah. and magic. And yep. I think also the time it's coming out, so it's just, like, black excellence mm-hmm. and Barry Gordy obviously wanting to uplift and trying to, like, her name was sludge for so long, right? And so he's right. trying to trudge sure. it up. I but the I, good parts. <laughs> just the good stuff. It's just yeah. the PG version. She's just, uh, and Diana Ross is just being Diana Ross singing Billie Holiday music. Oh my god, which is hilarious and magical to think about. Um, Also, I just want to like point out for those of you who aren't seeing the images of um, all of Billy's lovers and partners, (laughs) she was a very equal opportunity lover and a very um, interracially inclined being, which I'm so here for, especially in the times. And she's like, you know what? I would like to take a lady lover. And is she white? Maybe so. Is my next lover a black man? Sure. Is my next? I'm just like get uh, go off, girl. Go, you know. I you, just you. I, absolutely. I just had a that's a Raven moment. I this is I see this is what I see for you, oh a God, one woman Billy Holiday show. I think that there are so many resonating factors. She is like oh. your spirit goddess guide. She is your if you were to do Cinderella, she would you would be Brandy and you'd be playing Cinderella and she'd be your godmother. Like she'd that's, be my Whitney Houston. She's your Whitney Houston. <laughs> yeah, like I see this for you, like a one woman show. Oh. And doing Billy Hall uh, telling that story, I just there's a lot of parallel. Well, not a lot of parallels because you're never. I, I mean, yeah. Do it. I Do mean, it. I'm to the song. I'm the black same. and I sing and I'm queer. Like that's I'm, that's but, about like, it. I'm so into it. I'm so into it. Yeah, I don't say. Yeah, that's a. You're not being chased down by the FBI yet. I mean, with this podcast, you you know. I'm also might. not a heroin addict. <laughs> so. That's why I had to stop myself. I'm like, no, Sam, I see a lot of parallels between you and Billy Holiday. Listeners oh, okay. are just like, hold on. Is Sam okay? Hold on. Is Sam okay? Sam, are you okay? Do you, I, know, I know a clinic. Can uh, you imagine just like the floods of DMs? Listen, yeah, I, corner so kids, I love sorry. you. I know you she's would care fine. for me, but she's, I, she's fine. I do not, in fact, have a hair. I, what I meant was just black queer sings. That was pretty much it. And the style. So there it is. She gave her final performance, New York City, May 25th, 1959. And shortly after, she was admitted to the hospital for her heart. Um, and uh, sir, sir, cirrhosis, cirrhosis. She had liver problems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of doctor. <laughs> I like how you're falling around like, hmm? What did you? Are you having a seizure? Sound it out. She had a what? Sarah who? (laughs) She had liver problems. Okay. Sarah liver was fucked up. Uh, (laughs) Into it. I'm with you. Go ahead. And so she was a heroin addict, right? And so she needed methadone. And the first hospital Mm. hospital refused. They were like, nope. So then she went to the second one. And they're like, yeah, of course. We're a hospital. We're going to save your life. We're going to give you the methadone. And But Anslinger was like, I got you now. And he was like, Uh. just trying to get her to like, fess up to stuff and like who's your supplier like again just going she wasn't like a drug dealer why are you spending so much time on her right like mm-hmm. she okay she had a drug issue she, okay but why are is the full forces of your american tax dollars people at the time 
going towards right. going after this woman. She right. wasn't this massive drug dealer, you know, like she just she did drugs. OK. And he was like, you got to fess up to all this stuff. And who and she was like, suck my ass. Like, because that was one of her catchphrases. I don't know if she's in the movie. She said that to him, but I don't know. Like, she was one of her catchphrases. Remarkable. Her Suck my ass. I love that. Her friend. It was one of her favorite phrases to say. So she might have said it in that <sighs> moment. And she's like, you ain't got nothing. And then she told one of her friends. She was like, they're going to I'm going to die in this hospital. They're going to kill me. I just have this feeling. And people were protesting outside because they knew it was up. They knew how faulty the FBI was. They were hashtag free Billy. Like, that's what that was. <laughs> like They were doing it before, like a legit thing. And yeah. And Anslinger had the hospital after 10 days stop administering methadone because that was, I guess, wow. some sort of like policy or something. So then they are. This is all where it gets really funky to me. She's in the hospital. They then had arrested her for heroin position in the hospital. That doesn't sound what? right. How is she? What? How would she have gotten heroin in a hospital? So they arrested her. She then died from uh, alcohol and drug-related comp uh, complications because she's in withdrawal. Like, and they stopped giving her methadone, wow. and she died handcuffed to her bed b by the ankle. Wow! And she had just seven hundred fifty dollars to her name, which was seven hundred forty-eight dollars more than Dorothy Dandridge. So, just this tragic uh, story wow. of women dying around this time, black women and artists who went through these just horrible journeys just trying to live their lives wow yeah so that was the journey of billy holiday not all of that is in the movie so don't feel like i'm spoiling anything but it's also history so i don't know if i can really like right, it just it, is what it is. you need to just sort of you know know these things and again like billy holiday is the convergence of the war on black people um, what happens when we're so powerful that white people just can't stand it? What happens when we speak out? You can see with Colin Kaepernick, this shit is still happening today. Drug addiction, right? And 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 how yeah. we they treat and vilified drug addiction specifically because it was convenient of who it targeted: black and brown and poor people. So they could vilify it. We can make it almost non-human. You know, the Anslinger said that you know people deserved it if they were you know on drug addictions, then it was on on, on their own on, on on their own fault. And yeah, it's even further than addiction. Like the number of black beings, specifically black males, who are in prison to this day because of possession of marijuana. Yeah, and the amount of white beings who are making millions and millions of dollars off of it senators who voted f for all of these laws to target you know uh, uh people with marijuana for this possession former senators who voted for that who who voted down uh legalizing marijuana who are now like john boehner owns a marijuana like uh, uh, dis dis uh, dis distillery or whatever it's called right dispensary. like dispensary like yeah. he owns like a huge making millions of it has invested in it right um, like the fact that there are three dispensaries like within walking distance of me is I'm like okay but then can we free everybody now can everybody I get out and then and then and then excuse their records so they can get work and thank you and thank it, you and again the war on drugs it makes it my heart breaks sam because you think about how many lives our communities were, were destroyed they use this as the excuse to destroy us that's what the war on drugs was it was yeah. targeted and that's what they do that's why white supremacy is it is so tricky it is i think it's even it's it's even more sinister 
because it, 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 they can cloak it and dress it as yeah. different things and say, oh, no, 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 no. We're not targeting black people. We just, it's the drugs. We just really want to get these off. No, that's bullshit. And, 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 and it's, when you watch the movie, you see how even us as black people, how sometimes we, to survive, we might even turn on each other. When you see these movies mm. where it's black people as the FBI informants, you're like, but what? But as the survival crabs in a barrel sort of situation from what they created. Um, and they had said to her, you know, why can't you be more like Ella Fitzgerald? And Billy was like, I don't need, like this is people within our own community. And she's like, I don't need punishment or ridicule. I need help. She needed mm. help. Think about it back then in 1930s, we didn't treat people with drug addictions we we, it, it, we we treated like like someone who had diabetes. It would be like if someone who had diabetes and 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 was caught with insulin, we were like, "You're mm. going to prison." Mm. And if you think about it, a lot of people have diabetes because of the terrible foods that are put into our American food system, and so people are products of the system that has you know created them. And, and so it also looks at, you know, just like the uh, how we treat addiction. And it's interesting now that there's this aha that's happening um, with people because now addiction is now affecting white people with opiate opioids. Right. So now it's a huge crisis. Yeah. Right. And, and Vicodin and soccer yep. moms. And, it, it, yeah. It takes until it comes for them. Once it starts affecting white people, that's the same thing of why there is a vaccine. Because, you know, it wasn't like with AIDS, it affected gay men. Nah. So these, mm. these genocides or these 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 uh, things that happen and they disguise it as, as something else. Um, and so when you look at like even police raids, no. And like John Oliver does a great segment of it on this this week on this week tonight. And you just look at the disproportion of obviously black and brown communities who are targeted by these drug raids and that they should be illegal. Um, they don't work. It's it's mm. a dangerous situation for everybody for the everybody it's just dangerous right um i've had police like storm down my door i thought i was gonna you know die and luckily right, i didn't yeah, get shot that yeah. night um you know and 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 you look at like how white people are treated and black people are treated when judy garland was having her issues with drug abuse anslinger went to her and we're just like you should just go away for a while just go away for a while so it wasn't about the drugs mccarthy right. mccarthy who is the crazy he was the trump of his day he had issues with opioids Anslinger just help, helped him out, right? So it wasn't about the drugs; it was about black people, um, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. and that's that's just think the story of Billie Holiday is such an important one. This all the intersections that it hits, and my hat goes off to 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 Miss Billie Holiday to be the lone person standing in this fight of so many things that we are now still processing and dealing with. Like, put her on the flags, <laughs> put her on all the flags. Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. <laughs> it's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters.
so yeah so the question is you know we get a lot of well february is black history month which is like great but like why is it the shortest month of the year and why they only got 28 days and what's that um, okay. Bum, 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 okay, you got a right? lot of like, questions it's, you, listen maybe you could do some research before you start talk shit all the time you got that google Mm-hmm. But that's okay. I Google for you, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> but I would also like to talk to you since we're now officially in March. This is our first episode in March. Um, oh right. Sorry, I just had a flash of like, what is time? My March? Like, what is this? I saw someone had a, a meme in the calendar was like, mem- like, Jen first remember. It's the 43rd uh, of Jen remember. Like, everything. Just is all the same. Y'all, we have been in a panorama for a whole I year. Almost was gonna say it, and then I didn't because I d- almost in the 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 Ponda replay has been going <laughs> for like almost a year and a year. Ooh. We've been a Ponderosa for a year. <laughs> We've been the a never- Puerto Rico. <laughs> This for a year. panini, this panini has been going on for a year, y'all. Ah, oh this lord, this Patricia's too much. Oh, it's and too much. Yeah. Um. So, so we started this Patricia celebrating women, <laughs> and we are celebrating women again. <laughs> lord, my whole soul. <laughs> but the question is, why these months, right? Why these yeah. months? I want to take us down a little, um, a little history lesson about why. Why it's February and March that you get to celebrate me and all the other beautiful black women in your life and or your history and or, you know, the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, Got him. So what we have already covered here at Minority Corner, I just want to like tag this back. If you were listening at the beginning of this month, well, again, last month, the beginning of February. Uh, right. I know. It's What, what is, is time? time? It's a Ponder replay. <laughs> did we, don't we just know. say it at the same time? <laughs> we did, because <laughs> this is what happens. <laughs> through, and I'm in the through. same cadence and right. the same mumbly throwaway cadence. Listen, Sarah, get that in there, girl. It's coming. Oh, my gosh. My life. All right. Um, Sarah, we love you. You're amazing. We love you. Uh, so, so far, uh, if you have been listening regularly, which you should go off, Kernikid, appreciate you. Uh, we have already covered that in the 1920s, um, it was originally uh, Negro Week, which was February, uh, because of February 12th, which is Lincoln's birthday, and February 14th, which is Frederick Douglass's birthday. Uh, and then the first official Black History Month was started in Kent State, which is according to like the Kent State like newsletter. It is That's the first. That's true. You know what I'm saying? But it, like, it, oh, we we started that. We started, well, we started that. Right, which, yeah. of, okay, like, yeah, on. you're right. But <laughs> apparently, it is the that. first recorded uh, Black History right. Month, which is in uh, 1970, mm. um, and then uh, six years later, it was recognized by President Ford at bicentennial, mm. and then the nation as a whole was like, "Hey, Black History Month, let's go." So, so, and, and I think some of the magic of it is that it came from, it wasn't simply, uh, you know, oh, well, we celebrate these two people, so we're going to start a week, or we're going to start a, there's, there's, a, it goes even a bit deeper. So the idea began with Carter G. Woodson, who is a Harvard scholar, educator, um, and his homies back in okay. 1915. Uh, he was so he was inspired uh, by attending a three week national celebration of the 50th anniversary anniversary of the emancipation, which was in 1915. So that's just mm. 11 years later. 
things are popping off, right? Um, so Woodson joined four others, so his homies, in finding in founding the Association uh, for the Study of Negro Life and History, which was later known as the Association the Association of the Study of African American Life and History. Um, oh, okay. So, so he was like, starting. "Hey, y'all, we need to, you know, celebrate our people and what we've been through mm-hmm. and where how far we've come and all these things." So I'm going to start this association. We're going to start writing some papers. We're going to get the word out that we are to be celebrated. Uh, so mm. in ni- and that was 1915 that this is started. In 1924, uh, spurred by Wilson, his college fraternity, which is Omega. Mm, Omega Psi Phi. Okay. Oh, Omega Psi Phi. Part of the Divine Nine. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> um, introduced Negro History and Literature Week. And two okay. years later, um, they were very determined to bring more attention to African-American history. Um, so him and his homies, the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History, launched Negro History Week fully and just said, let's go. Let's make it happen. Uh <sighs> Two snaps thought. to that i just the pioneers when you look back at the pioneers like them or you know lady day like it's just mm-hmm. it's because they're the onlys who else is doing this work and they're creating it in very hostile surroundings yeah a hundred percent so he got together in 2000 or 2000 sorry 1915 oh, it was like oh what wouldn't have surprised me yeah. if it was like, oh, we just started doing yeah. this work. I would be like, yeah, that tracks. Can you even? You know, you don't even realize. Listen, we just had our first, like what four people have won golden, four black people have won golden globes. Oof. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I still still angry. I still got heart palpitations <laughs> about that. Anyway, that's right. Oh Lord. Uh, so all these things, he's going quick, right? He's trying to really make this happen for the nation and make sure that everybody knows that it is time to celebrate us as as African-American beings, as black beings. Um, so again, that, it was 1915 and then 1924. He was like, you know what? Maybe we should do a week. Y'all celebrating these cute little days. Let's do a week. 1926, it really became a thing. Um, but as early as the 40s, there were certain communities that were celebrating the whole month. Um, but of course, the civil rights movement came to pass and started to beef things up. So in the 60s, there were more attention to it. And then again, Kent was like, we did that. That was us. <laughs> we did that right there in 1970. And we're like, all right, bro, go off, okay, Kent. Okay, we've, we've been you. doing it. But okay, but you got you got though. to the Wikipedia page right. before everybody else. So yeah, okay. The first quote recorded, I see you, I see you. Uh, and then, yeah. uh, as we had said before, in 1976, the Association of African-American life history facilitated the widespread celebration of it, along with President Gerald Ford's urge for the whole country to celebrate. Um, Mm. And so far, thankfully, even though the last one was trifling, every president then, then from then on has urged the country Mm. to celebrate it as national African-American history month or national black history month or what have you. So that is that is the the long and short of of Black History Month. So it is February because of these powerful birthdays, but then because of these powerful black beings who made it so and pushed and pushed and pushed. So y'all, it is not because it is the shortest month. It is because some dope shit happened in February, and we try <laughs> to keep for it setting together. The, thank you for setting that record. <laughs> Because it was it was offbeat. Hey, it was <laughs> a little offbeat. It was on the one and three, and I said, "Hold on now." 
Black History Month, the one and the three. Oh, God. It's so hard to clap on the one and the three. I try sometimes just for fun. It's not easy. That is where you were celebrating this part of me, this part of Janet, this part of Tessa, mm. this part of Billy, this part of this part Andra, of me, this part of you. But this is where I got to get off the bus, and you I gotta just got to be like, okay, ladies, you I'm gonna watch you all get in formation. Hey, ladies, <laughs> and show I'm us clapping how that you ship. celebrate. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> Trying to get up on that one and that three. Get on the one and three, Annie. <laughs> Go off. But so what's interesting for me, uh, having, you know, looked into this is the kind of the similarities and how things uh, got moved up the chain to a national level and also the differences when, because a lot of this was uh, the Women's International, International Women's Month. Uh, there was a lot of legal action that happened with Women's History Month. And mm. I have a feeling that that legal action happened and uh a little more quickly uh because it was some white women saying we want a month and mm, not some mm. black folks saying hey we mm. need we need to show our magic right yeah so yeah it's interesting anyway here you go here it comes no, is, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh women's history month started again as a day um but as opposed to being necessarily connected to somebody's birthday or something like that i'm gonna start it as international women's day which is march 8th um which has been celebrated apparently in some way since 1911 okay but women's suffrage I, you know what i'm saying i was like go <laughs> off go ahead um but not officially until 1975 by the united nations Mm. So, and you know, there was a lot of the stuff with the e the Equal Rights Amendment around that time mm -hmm. trying to get passed. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, exactly. So then, in uh, so again, it started as the day, and the day kept going. In uh, the 1970s, local groups and municipalities began celebrating Women's History Week because of International Women's Day. It, again, these parallels. Um, mm. And according to the National Women's History Museum, one of the most notable celebrations was organized in Santa Rosa, California, but by the Education Task Force of the Sonoma County Commission and the Status of Women in 1978. Um, which I'm like, okay, educators, all these teachers being like, listen. Uh, so the movement itself was so popular uh, that people began lobbying for more, more formal observance. Mm. And in 1980, Jimmy Carter designated oh, my the favorite. first. Uh, so he designated the first official National Women's History Week, uh, beginning in, of course, March 8th okay. um, of that year. And Congress passed it as a resolution in 1982. Wow. I'm like, okay, there's a lot, a whole lot of like legalities happening for this real quick. Y'all making it happen real fast. So, of course, after the resolution was passed in 1982 for the week, uh, certain states and communities started to celebrate the whole month, similar to BHM. Um, and then in 1987, Congress declared March as official Women's History Month. Mm. Um, so, as we talked about before, at first it just started as Women's History or International Women's Day, which is March 8th. Um, but there are also a few other dope things that happened in March, not necessarily people's birthdays, but things that uh, we can be proud of. So earlier in the 20th century, uh, two significant women's suffrage events took place in March. So again, we're talking about the suffrage, we're gonna you know, we'll, we'll, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But the first mm -hmm. major suffra uh, suffrage parade took over Washington, D.C. on March 3rd in 1913. 
and the National Women's Party, a political group dedicated to women's suffrage, uh, was officially formed in March 1917. So again, that was still when they was being a little trifling, but go off women, mm. you know? Yeah, that is not a time period I'd want to be in because you know what's coming... You're in World War One, too, at that time. Mm -hmm. Knock, knock, knock. Here comes the pandemic. Hmm. Mm, hmm. Mm. Um, so then, so there are two more, two more fun facts. Um, oh, my gosh. My Roman numeral is foolish. Title nine. You got Roman numerals over there? Yeah. What, you. What, 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 one X is nine, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. Title Nine. Thank you. Got you. Yeah. I'm mm -hmm. like, I know Title Nine, but like, is my oh, brain yeah. being dumb? I'm dyslexic, y'all. I have a hard time. Tell anyway. About, so Title tell Nine. Tell about the Title Nine. You already know. We talked about it a little bit a second <laughs> ago. You mentioned title it. Nine. <laughs> uh, which prohibits sex discrimination in all federally funded education programs was passed by the Senate on March 1st, 1972, and it became law later that year. In fact, the educators who formed the first Women's History Week a few years later did so to help schools comply with Title IX regulations. Mm, and they still love need that. help today. Still need help today. But I love that it's like, okay, this little piece of March, this little piece of March, this last little piece that I have for y'all is the Equal Rights Amendment, which you mentioned <gasps> a bit ago, a <sighs> constitutional amendment which guarantees rights regardless of sex passed, uh, passed those assured by the 19th Amendment passed the Senate on March 22nd, 1972. Mm. Um, that was still not fully ratified, but we'll it's talk about that on a different time. 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 Month. So happy, go off ladies, I'm here for it. Like go off ladies mm, month, mm, okay. Mm. <laughs> Love it. I would like to just celebrate Minority Corner because Minority Corner is a uh, two thirds I mean, women's, women's team. Always, yes. So we're out here. And we are yeah. also two thirds black. <laughs> we just and fully it. queer. Look it's at us. All of it. All of it. But you know what? I don't like doing fractions because it makes me think about that time when they made our people a fraction. I'm sorry. I had to bring it to there. It just oh, I would people mercy. become fractions. I'm sorry. Lord, <laughs> Such a beautiful uh, moment. <laughs> we did not become okay. fractions. Oh, you're right. The, yeah, the yeah, company yeah. Okay. is the fraction. We're talking okay. about the company. Woo, into a place. Go off minority corner. <laughs> There it is, another episode of Minority Corner for the books. And y'all, the Porsche de Rossi may be coming to an end, y'all. Did you hear President Biden announce that all adults may be vaccinated by it's gonna be May? Woof! I can't even, I'm just, I'm speechless. Speechless. Black folks to the front of the line. Let's go. Well, that is our episode. A, a big thank you to Sam Jackson, our social media manager and guest co-host for today. And a huge shout out to our editor, Sarah Brown, who she's making magic happen behind the mic, y'all. Sarah, you're just so wonderful. Wonderful editor. We love you. We appreciate you so much. And also to all of our listeners, there's no show without you. We're so grateful for you. Please be sure to chime in on the Instagrams at Minority Corner. You can email us, minoritycorner at gmail.com. Um, uh, let us know stay involved in the conversation and that's gonna do it for us thank you all so much for listening to minority corner because together we're the majority love y'all maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned audience supported